Start, we are up to Tess. Okay, so we are in the middle of this discussion of why do we have to get ourselves involved in the whole, the whole concept of directing traffic by Hashem. In other words, just Davin al Dasatinok, like we said last time, just Davin, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my father. I'm talking to my tati in heaven, that's it. And Hashem will figure out a way. Why do we have to get ourselves involved in terms of directing traffic? Here you have the Shem Havayah with the, with the Nikud of, of Kamats or Tzere or whatever it is. And, and we're, directing, we're directing traffic. We're saying, okay, Hashem, we want you to come by way of Chachma, by way of Chesed, by way of Tferes, by way of whatever. It, it seems like it's, a, it's an unusual... It's an unusual event that we're doing. Achli Shev, however, to answer Zeh. Tzarich lahakdim b'kitzarim ha'shiniz bar, etzleinu be'inyin ha'halel. In order to understand this, we have to explain a little bit by introducing what we talk about in terms of halel. De'lecha'ira tamua, that on the surface, this is very wondrous. B'kihu yizbarach tzarich l'shvachim shalanu? Does Hashem really need our praises? That we are praising Him. That all the dwellers on the earth are considered like nothing compared to Him. What, what's the whole point of this exercise? This doesn't make any sense. Right? What's going on? Seemingly, we should, don't need this. Or he certainly doesn't need that's for sure. So what is the whole point here that we need to say thank you to Hashem, to give praise to Hashem? Right? What is this all about? <coughs> okay, so now the, the Rev is gonna say here an an answer that is answered amongst many people. And this answer is the answer that it's basically for us which some people also use with regards to, uh, you know, many different, many different things. In other words, why are we doing this? Because it'll help us to change ourselves, okay? But that focus is not looking at the klal of what the davening, or in this case, the halal, is really, is really um, impacting in Shemayim, okay? So this is how he's going to start off the answer. And then he's going to say, but let's look at it from a deeper point of view. Because you can't say that that's not true. It is true also. In other words, the fact that we say halal, and hopefully by saying halal, we are going to recognize how Hashem is totally in control of us and totally taking care of us, and He has the kayach to do whatever He wants. That's also a positive thing. It's not that that's not a positive thing. For sure that's a positive thing. But it's hard to say that that's the only reason why we are going through and saying halal. And for that matter, we're going to apply it also to Davening Shimon Esrei, etc. Let's see it in size. There are those that answer this question by his followers. Why do we say Hallel? In order to purify our souls. That's why we're saying it. That by us recognizing and knowing about how great and how good Hashem is. Ha'odef is who gives us extra, gives us so much. 
Because why? Because only he has, he alone has the Yechoylis, has the potential to change Hayesh Lekol Asher Yechbatz, to change whatever the situation is into whatever he wants. Okay, where are you up to? We are one, two, three, four, five lines down. Six lines down. Paraktes. Okay? Paraktes. You're on the wrong page. Test, 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 test. There you go. Okay. So only we only Hashem has that capability. Right? Right? So by us sitting there and saying hello, right? And recognizing Hashem is the only one, which really, I heard a voice uh, the other day from uh, Rabbi Deitch from Eretz Yisrael, and he was saying that, that uh, I think it was the Brisker Rav who used to come to, uh, Chaim Brisker, who used to come to visit the Rebbe Rashab. They had a lot of uh, connections with regards to uh, community things. And they were apparently close and so he was saying, like, what's the Nikuda? The Nikuda of Hasidus, he said, maybe it's two or three points. So Rebbe Hashab said, no, it's one point. Hashem hu Elohim. That's the whole Hasidus. Hashem hu Elohim. That everyone should recognize it should be drilled into our heads and drilled into our hearts. Hashem hu Elohim. That's it. Hashem, there's nothing else here. Everything is Hashem, right? So this is, this is the idea. So when we are saying praise, right? When we're saying praise, when we're thanking Hashem, Right? How are you, Gili? Welcome. Right? That, what are we doing? We, we are changing in our hearts, we're changing in ourselves this idea where, that we're recognizing that, right, that only Hashem has the potential to change anything He wants. He's the only one that has the potential to do everything. This is, oh, so that's maybe the whole reason. That's what these Mufarshim are saying. That the whole reason for saying Hallel is to purify our souls. That we should make our souls into the way they need to be. So by me sitting there and davening to Hashem and saying, Hashem, you are the ultimate, you are the greatest, you are the most wonderful, you are the only one that has the power to do anything here. Okay, so that, by me saying that, right? if a person would go around saying that all day long, for example, in his own words, it would have an impact on his life. Right? It would change the way he looks at the world. If a person, like that's the whole idea of Hasidus. The whole idea of Hasidus is that we study Hasidus and we talk about how Hashem, right, is Hashem Hu Elohim, that there's nothing else except for Hashem. Right? Hashem is in charge of everything. And the more I meditate on that idea, the more I think about that idea, the more it's going to impact me. Right? I'm going to look at the world from a different set of eyes. That's just the way it works. That's the whole concept. That's the whole basis of Chabad Hasidus. By meditating on this idea, I will see the world from a different perspective. That's the idea. That's the concept behind it, right? So, so he's saying here, so what is he saying here? That really, maybe that's the whole reason for Hallel. The whole reason for Hallel is to get it into us that that's what's going on. So he says, And then when we become, our souls become so refined, so then what's going to happen? We are going to become a kli, right? We're going to become a vessel to be able to receive all the, all the benefits that Hashem is ready to give to us. That's, that's the idea. Okay. So he says like this, 
im with all this thing so he's coming along and saying he's not throwing this idea out in other words it's 100% true that point because the emiss is that if i will spend my time davening to hashem and saying all the wonderful praise to hashem i will get to that point however there's a deeper idea as well right and this is where we're going with this whole story what's the deeper idea Right? Let's just touch up the words. In Emes and Truth, There's a, a hidden idea, the Kavana Amuka, and a deeper Kavana. Right? So, what is that? So let's go, let's touch it. So he says like this, that we've already discussed this earlier, that there's a level of the Orain Sof which comes into the whole existence, right? And that level, the Orain Sof that's coming into existence is infinite. And it's non-definable, shall we say. However, in order that Hashem should interface with us in this world, right, and all the other worlds, what needs to happen is that He needs to become enclosed within the Yud Sphiros. And by enclosing Himself within the Yud Sphiros, so that is enabling Him to give over to the world what the world needs. But we're going to say, as we've been discussing for the last uh, nine chapters, is that that is a huge limitation on Hashem's part. In other words, when Hashem puts Himself into is mislabish. Remember the key word here. Mislabish means the idea of limitation. Right? Mislabish means that it's the kli or the makabal which is defining the relationship. Right? The whole idea of a teacher, for example, explains in Kabbalah, right, that the nehi of the Elyon becomes the Chabad of the Tachto. What does that mean? It means like this, right? Everyone realizes that there's a, there's a tr- three triads, right? There's Chabad, Chagas, Nehi, right? So Chabad is, for example, let's say that we're talking about, we're talking about, uh, you know, a Rosh Hashiva, right? So Rosh Hashiva, when he learns the Shira, he has it in Chabad. He's like hearing it for the first time, the Shira. He's reading it in a book and he's, he's studying it. It's still above him to a certain extent, right? That's his Chabad. Then he gets it, like he digests it, right? That's the hymn, that's the Chagas, right? That's the actual hymn. And then he wants to teach it over to his students. So he teaches it over to his students in the way of Nehi. Now, Nehi is basically broken up into Netzach or Yisoyed, right? Netzach is the idea of giving. So Netzach, if you can imagine, is like the concept of of the Rosh Hashiva is giving over the material and he's on full blast, but he's giving it over in such a way that he's like light years above the students. The students have no idea what he's talking about. They're like, what in the world is this person talking about? He's like firing, you know, you know, the uh, Taisvus and the, the, how the, the Rashba explains it and how the Marsha explains it. He's like, ah, he's like, whoa! And the students are like, whoa, I have no idea what he's talking about, right? Hod, on the other hand, is that he's teaching them Aleph base. They don't even, he's just teaching them little, so little, right? He's holding back so much that they're hearing, but they know all this stuff already. They're not learning anything. 
Yisoid is the idea of the happy meaning medium between the Netzach and the Hoid, right? So that's the idea of Nihi. That Nihi, right, becomes the Chabad of the student, right? What he's gaining at that moment, right, when he's hearing from the Rosh Hashiva, the Shear, that hopefully is a Shear that is challenging enough for him to be interested, but at the same time, it's not flying so far over his head, right, that he can't understand what he's talking about. Kapish, right? That then becomes the Chabad. That becomes the Chabad of the Tachtoin. Because that now, whatever information that the, that the Rosh Hashiva gave over, that creates the Chabad of the Tachton, of the, of the student. Kapish? So in other words, in order for the Elyon to be able to give over to the Tachton, there has to be a limitation. There has to be a, a, a conscious effort of limitation. So that's in that muscle. Now let's go back. But yeah. So between uh, the Nihia of the Mashpia and the Chabad of the Kabbalah, right, there's going to be a Tzimtzum of information. The, oh, so the Tzimtzum has to be to get to the Nihi. That's the whole point. In other words, when the, when the teacher is giving it over, he has to recognize who is his audience. That's where the Tzimtzum comes. That's why it says Nihi is outside of the torso of the human of the human being. It's already the next level. It's already the next level down. So he had to limit it. He had to think through, if I'm going to tell it. Imagine Einstein right, is teaching over physics to a 10-year-old. If Einstein's going to teach over his physics to the 10-year-old, and he tells it the way, the way he knows it, physics, so then nothing's going to happen. He's not gonna, it's going to go way over the 10-year-old's head. So he has to conscientiously give over in a way that the 10-year-old, that's called mislabish. Mislabish means that you're taking into consideration the Mekabal, and therefore there has to be a limitation on the part of the Mashpia. So that's what we're saying here. So what we're saying here is that, that what? That, like we said before, the that's how the Einsof is going to be able to pile in the Eilamos. How? Because he has to be mislabish into the Yud Sphiros. When he's mislabish into the Yud Sphiros, so then what's going to happen is that he has to limit himself, right? <speaking in Hebrew> to give life to the world, leave noise, to build, or to destroy, <speaking in Hebrew> or at least it means that you literally take apart, is more to destroy, lintoya is to plant. And without the intermediary of the spheres, it's impossible for the oilamos right, to hold on to and to receive. Next page. Right? It would be impossible for him to receive right, the, the or the ray from the orenso by itself. That it wouldn't become total batuladamitsias. Right? Imagine back to our, our marshal. If Einstein is giving over to the 10-year-old physics the way Einstein understands physics, he's not gonna, no one's going to understand anything. It's a, it's a waste of time. It's just going to blow the child away. It's going to be totally not capable for the child to, to the child to really get it. Yeah? However, what needs to happen is he needs to, Einstein has to decide, look, here's my audience. What is my audience going to be able to understand in terms of what can I give to him to hold on to? 
So therefore, he's going to enclose it in a muscle and another muscle and another muscle, another physical point, another until finally he could hold himself back enough that the ten-year-old will start to grasp onto something. Right? So that's the, the muscle. The nimshel back here is what are we looking for? We're looking for the orin self to be giving over hashpa down into this world. You can't have the ain self giving over hashpa directly into this world. The world just becomes bottled mitzias, nullified out of its form. Right? It's like if you take an ice cube and you take an ice cube and you pour it into boiling water. The ice cube is not going to make a fight with the boiling water. The ice cube is just going to become nullified out of its form, and the hydrogen and oxygen molecules will just go into a liquid form. The same thing here. If you have the orange stuff just shining into this world, what's going to happen is this, this world is going to become orange stuff. So therefore, in order for it to work, it needs to become mislabish into the spheres of Atsilus. And then... The spheres of Atzilus is able to give over the hashpa in a particular way into this world. Kapish? Yes, David, what? Well, at some, uh, at some point, the, uh, the uh, Mashiach is going to have to come back at some point down the line and give a little more information. Well, as he builds up, that's called building up the Kali. Right, exactly. That's what. Otherwise, there's just, there's just going to be, you're just going to keep losing more and more and more light as go down the chain. Um, well, that's, that's called building up the keli. Building up the keli to receive Lord. That's what we're, that's what we're doing down here. We're, we're doing more and more and more mitzvahs, right? In order for, right? In order for us to be able to have a bigger and bigger keli to be able to receive more and more light. That's exactly right. So he says like this. However, modaza is or what I was just saying now. You should know that in truth, in comparison to the Atmos or Ainsov, Hayud Sviros Mamish. Those Yud Sviros are also totally Batal. Ba'afilu Chachma, and even Chachma. Shehireishis Hayud Sviros, that is the beginning of the Yud Sviros. He Nechshevis Ka'asiyah Gufnis Mamish. It's considered like Asiyah Gufnis Mamish. In other words, compared to the Or the rock. Right, that's sitting on the street outside, and Chachma Batzilus is equidistant. Because when you're dealing with infinity, right, which is closer to infinity, a billion or the number three? Well, we know it's equidistant. You can't say that one is more, one, right? It's because you're dealing with infinity. So, in order to be enclosed the Orainsov into the Yudsviros, Lifol Al Yadam. In order that it should impact through them. Baha'ilamais in the worlds who hashvela gedoyla. So this is a tremendous lowering down from the word shuffle. Shuffle means to be low, right? You should be shuffle ruach, right? right? You should be lowly in front of everyone's eyes, right? The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, right? The Pirkei Avos doesn't mean to be humble. It means to literally look at yourself as being lower than everyone else. Right, you know, Tanya? Yeah. You right? Karek, Karek, what Karek? Close. Close, but you're going the wrong way. Close. There you go. Okay. That over there, he explains, the shuffle ruach with me in front of everyone means to look at yourself as being lower than everyone else. 
because you could always find reasons to look at other people to see how great they are. That they are great. You yourself, you know your own faults, you know your own things. Therefore, you have to look at yourself in this way, and therefore you could be very, very impressed by all the other people around you and to lift them up and to see how great they are. It's a, it's a, it's a cure for our, our own arrogance. But it doesn't mean that because I'm looking at myself as being lower, so I should be depressed. It's supposed to be a way of, 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 of encouraging us to make ourselves even better. But don't think of yourself as being better than someone else. Because like I, I've said so many times, Yiddishkeit is not, a, is not a competitive sport. It's not about me being better than someone else. It's about me being better than myself. Constantly, the, the, the idea is to constantly be going and trying to go beyond what I am capable of, what I think I'm capable of, because I know that I'm much more capable than I, than I think I am. I think I could only do this, X. But really, we could do X to the infinite power if we could just make that happen. But it doesn't matter what the other guy next to me is doing. Good, I should just praise him, right? And look at him in a special way. Why does Alter Rebbe say this? Because Alter Rebbe explains that when you look at someone as being better than you, right? So you see you have a much greater respect for them and you treat them in a better way. A person who is always thinking of himself as being better than everyone else, so then he treats people not in the way that they should be treated. Kapish? All right, I don't know. We got off track, but uh, just uh, you see that word, it, may, it reminds me of that chapter of Tanya. Okay. Right? Harav Hamagid, this is from the Magid of Mezrich. Al Pasuk, Maimar Azal, like the like the Maimar Azal, the Malkum Kedulaso Sham Ata Moitze Anvanaso. That this is also uh, this is a Maimar Azal quoted in uh, another parak in the fourth parak of Tanya, that where you see Hashem's greatness. What is his greatness? That his humility, that he lowers himself down to such an extent. Right, Chesed Elyon. So this is an unbelievable humility. This is an unbelievable lowering himself down. That he puts himself all the way down into Chesed of Atzilus. For him to be able to lower himself down into such a thing, is, it's, it's remarkable. Right? So in other words, people think, oh, look how great he is. He could create such a big world with look at all these constellations and, and satellites, not satellites, constellations and, uh, you know, stars and solar systems and everything like that. Adarava, that's the lowering of himself down, to, to lower himself down to such a way to even create such a, such a thing, that he could even create this table that's sitting in front of me. That is, that is his lowliness. That is his humility. So this is what we need, Right? This is a tremendous humility. This is a tremendous lowering himself down. That he lowers himself down to such an extent. To become enclosed within this midah. Like it's mamish, not chashiv in front of him. Right? Who is so great like you, Hashem, who lifts himself up? How does he lift himself up? By putting himself down. 
Hamashbili liros bashamayim uva aretz. Right? That the whole idea is that this is the greatness. The greatness is that he could lower himself down to such an extent that he could create a shamayim and an aretz. This is an unbelievable thing. That's an incredible thing. And that's what he's doing. That the Oreinsov is so great, so huge, so unbelievable. Right of Aretz. That that he's able to lower himself down to create, to make, to be found in the heavens and the earth. What does it mean, Shemayim? Shemayim means the upper worlds. That's what it means in this passage. So he lowers himself down to such an extent that he can create the upper worlds. So this is a lowering himself down, even to the Yud Sviros of Atzilus. It's so far, it's so far, it's so low, it's so, you know, limited. In the same way as he lowers himself down to come into a physical entity. And that's the point. That a rock on the street and chesed of Atzilis by him is the same. It's one and the same. Because when you're dealing with infinity, it makes no difference how far away it is. It's all the same in relationship. Right? So that's what he's saying. So this is, this is unbelievable that he would do such a thing. So when a person thinks like this, wow, that's, in, that's incredible. What? He's coming down he's, you know, to, into little old me. Into, you know, this, is, this, is, this is an amazing thing. Let's go weiter. Right? The six days. Right? Ha'ir Hashem me'atzmo. So during the six days of creation... Hashem was shining by himself, and he limited himself down to be mislabish into the Yud Sviros. Right, the Yud Sviros. Okay, so what does this mean, Besoid Shoirish? So, Besoid Shoirish is that there is a limited form, a limited amount of energy that is constantly going. That he's constantly making happen that's keeping, so to speak, a baseline that is always going, that he's continuously pushing this energy always into, into, into the worlds. That this energy that he has constantly pushing down into the world is not at all dependent on anything that we do. This is what's keeping the creation going. However, this ray is very limited. It's betzimsum. What? However, this ha'ara is betzimsum. It's limited. However, the majority of the ore that's coming down is through our actions. So what do we have here? Let's, let's conclude with this idea. What we have here is that Bichlal, from the six days of creation, Hashem is creating something that He is pushing through a limited amount of ore, which is keeping the world going. It started in the six days of creation, and it continues to today. However, that amount of ore that's keeping the world going is very limited, right? 
It's very mitzimtzum. But by our actions down here in this world, by our learning Torah, by our doing mitzvahs, because this is what Hashem wants us to be doing. So then what happens? It adds to it. It brings tremendous, more, a tremendously more light into, into our world. Let's conclude with a really interesting story that I saw last night. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it has everything to do with what we're talking about. I was thinking about making this into the story for this week, but I don't know if I'm going to, but I, I thought I was very amazed by it. There's a story about a chassid whose name was Moshe Alperovich, and he, he learned in Tomchei Tamimim. I guess somehow he got to uh, Eretz Yisrael, and he was a sheichet. And so, just to show you how an oivid would think, this is an oivid. So, <coughs> he was on Erev Yom Kippur, he saw, because of Kaparis, right? On Erev Yom Kippur, you do Kaparis, so you do shechting. So a huge line outside of his house, whatever, to be, you know, to shech. So he decided he wanted to take a look, what's with the other sheichet in town? So he went to the other sheichet, there was no one there. So he was so upset that everyone was coming to him, you know, and he, he was taking away the other guy's parnasa. So he decided from now on he's not going to be a sheichet anymore. He stopped completely. So that way he shouldn't take away from the other person. He decided, so now he has to get a job. So he go, oh. So he lives, at that time, it was before the Six-Day War, and it was, there was these, the Dead Sea Works, whatever it was, like some sort of, I guess, uh, you know, uh, minerals and whatever. So he got a job with them, and he would, he would work, he would work over there with his hands. But the people, other people that were working there were not of the highest uh, uh, caliber or the highest uh, place in society. And so he, they spoke a lot of shtusim uh, and nivelpeh and like things that were like not the way it should be. So he daven to Hashem because we learned in Kuntus Avoida, right, not only do we have to control our speech, but we have to control what we hear. So he daven to Hashem that Hashem should take away his hearing. Shouldn't have to hear. And right after that, there was like an explosion and knocked out his hearing and he became deaf. However, what's interesting is that he was able to hear the Torah reading. Anything in Kedusha, he could hear. So he could stand far away from the, from the Bima by the Torah reading every Shabbos and he would hear perfectly. Or when someone was speaking to him in Hasidus, he heard perfectly. But everything else, he could not hear at all. So he used to go every week He'd spend the whole week there, so he'd take bread with him, and he'd just bring bread and water every day. And then he would go for Shabbos to B'nai Brak, to his daughter's house, and he would uh, sit and listen, and that's, that's, what he, that's how he did it. So uh, this was the story of Moshe Alperovitch, that he, and then they, they saw he was such a good guy. The people in, in, in the Dead Sea Works, they saw he was such an amazing guy that they wanted to lift him up to become like a manager or whatever, you know. So he told them he, he, he doesn't agree. He wants to stay where he is. I said, why not? You're going to get much more money. You're going to get much more easy job, whatever. He said, because with this, he's spending the whole day, he's thinking Taira. But if he's going to go to that job, so then he's going to have to spend the whole day thinking about the work. So he says, no, thank you. That's not what he wants. And that was, that was his. This is a chassid from a, from a previous generation. A little bit of a feeling for that. All right, Chevra, that's it for today. Please do Chazara.